Welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll of ValleyIndie.org. I want to welcome back to the podcast uh, for the first time since I think since he's been elected is State <laughs> Senator George Cabrera. Hello, Mr. Cabrera. Hey, Eugene. Great to have you. Thank you for having me back. It's been a little, been a little while. Yeah, now and, and now we, we could relax a little bit. I don't know, like all the other times you're on, I was just trying to trip you up with the Valley questions, but uh, I won't do that too much uh, right now. But for those who might not be aware, uh, Senator Cabrera represents the 17th district, and I have in order of the uh, of how much he cares about the towns. It's Ansonia, Derby. <laughs> I'm kidding. Beacon Falls, Bethany, Hamden, Naugatuck, and Woodbridge. Did I leave any out? Um, what did you say, Hamden? I got Hamden. I got Naugatuck, Woodbridge, Ansonia, Beacon Falls, Bethany, and Derby. Naugatuck. Naugatuck. Okay. Last yeah. time I had you on a while back, where we did the, I, I, I got uh, some heat from Hamden because I only yeah. covered Derby and Ansonia, so I don't want. I just want to keep Hamden happy. Um, yeah, it's a big district. Got to keep everybody happy. Yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> so you were sworn into office on January sixth. Uh, and I wanted to go back and talk a little bit about that because here it is, I assume, a lifelong dream. You're sworn in as a state senator. Uh, you've been involved in politics in one way or another for a long time. But that same day, we have a mob invade uh, the U.S. Capitol, something I could never even imagine happening in my lifetime. So what was that, was it, what was that day like for you? Um, it was a, a very interesting day. Um, I, we really weren't sure if my wife and kids would even be able to come up to Hartford. We were still, um, believe it or not, um, in the weeks leading up to the, the day of the inauguration, um, still deciding whether or not we were going to have an indoor and a tent, come in in groups, um, have family, not have family. Um, I, I lucked out. Um, I'm one of a two freshmen in the Senate, on the Senate caucus side for the Democrats. Uh, Rick Lopes was the other one, but he had to serve on the House side. Um, so many of my colleagues had been through this before and, and didn't uh, have too much family coming up. So I was able to get my wife and kids up there, but it was surreal. Uh, it was very different. We were outside, it was cold. Um, everyone had uh, face coverings and gloves and, and, and hats. And um, we were worried about security. So, you know, we had a perimeter and we had lots of uh, Capitol Police out. Um, fairly quick event, uh, but I was happy that we were able to do it. And uh, I'm glad to share that moment with my wife and my kids. Um, we uh, hung around for a little while, um, just congratulating each other and talking about what we we're going to do. Uh, then we went home uh, to watch um, the certification of uh, the president elected the Capitol. And I was sitting in my living room, like lots of people, with my wife, uh, watching the uh, House and Senate go through the, their constitutional uh, duty to uh, certify the election results and uh, news reports. And we could see it on television of people uh, storming the Capitol. And we just, I just sat there in disbelief. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Uh, I'm a student of, of government and political science. As you know, I got my degree in political science in, in Quinnipiac. And I spent a lot of time studying governments and I have some idea on, on how important it is to have a democracy and free elections. 
and uh, have studied that. And so I was really worried and I said, I couldn't believe what I was uh, watching. And I was really concerned um, for our democracy and uh, just began to hope for the best. I was hoping no one uh, would get hurt um, or die. Uh, I said a prayer uh, for our country, uh, for our elected officials, hoping that things would uh, not escalate. And unfortunately, like everyone else watched, like I did, uh, five people lost their lives. And um, thank God, the Congress was able to come back shortly after the attempted coup uh, to certify uh, the election and, and make sure that the people's voices were heard and respected. And uh, my next question, I mean, I view that, you know, I'm just a, a rinky-dink local reporter, uh, you know, barely a blip on the media landscape, but it made me think, okay, like how do, I mean, I do monitor a Facebook page and uh, Facebook can be a place and Twitter too, where there's a lot of fighting. And after a while, it's sort of, it can drain on your, your soul. Just, uh, uh, it's almost like people are conditioned now to just disagree uh, and just post uh, angry things online. So how do we bridge, I guess it's a long way of asking the question, how do we bridge this gap that's still there? I mean, watching even last yesterday, uh, the, the difference between like an MSNBC uh, and then, you know, Newsmax, where there's just completely different views uh, of the world. How do we bridge the gap now? Well, you know, for me, it starts at home. Uh, you know, my, my father, I tell this um, story all the time. My father came to this country in the early 60s, um, speaking barely a word of English uh, with no education, no money no connections. And, uh, you know, he came here because uh, intuitively he knew that here he could make a go of it. Uh, he knew that here he'd have a shot. Um, he may not be able to sit down and articulate, you know, um, the balance of power or uh, recite the Constitution or Declaration of Independence word for word, but he knew that here um, he'd get an opportunity, he'd be given a shot, and he did. Uh, he worked really hard uh, to give me and my brother opportunities he could only dream of. And I think um, what's happening in our country is that we've become so polarized and we've spoken to each other, we, we speak past each other, that it's gotten to the point uh, where it's gotten extremely personal and, and, and quite frankly, um, violent, you know, as we saw um, on January 6th in our nation's capital. We need to start talking to each other again. Um, and what I mean by that is not just talking past each other, but we need to start, we need to, start to listen. I think it's a really good idea, you know, take a moment take a deep breath, um, be quiet for a little while and really listen to each other. Um, and then understand that uh, we live in a free country and people vote and we need to respect the will of the people. Uh, I know that there was lots of rumors and lots of misinformation about um, whether or not uh, votes were cast legally or not, but we went through that process. I mean, we had so many um, elected officials in a lot of battleground states uh, review, inspect, audit their, their ballots, and uh, they, were, they were certified. They were confirmed, many of them uh, Republican uh, elected officials. Uh, we had, I don't know how many court cases, challenges uh, in a variety of courts, I think it was uh, close to 60, that went through all of this and again came with the same result. Um, we need to really respect. Uh, the will of the people, and we need to start listening and talking to each other again. Now, you know, I talked about this last time. Uh, my big reason for running is that it, it is true that lots of people have felt that they've been left behind. 
Uh, people are working really hard, especially in the Valley, and not getting ahead. And there is a legitimate case to be made that our elected officials, in many ways, have a lot of working people behind, not enough people getting into the middle class, not enough people feeling like the hard work they're putting in day in, day out is really getting them anywhere. And that's real. Uh, but um, we need to do, to do our politics um, and have our disagreements in a peaceful way uh, and make sure that we uphold the will of the people, make sure that we respect our institutions and our democracy. Has any of the ugliness that was happening on the national level uh, in terms of threats uh, filtered down to the state level? Have you felt anything? Uh, I know sometimes if I, I'll just put whatever the, the party is, the, just, just your party affiliation. If you're a Democrat, there's going to be at least two comments. No good. No, just, just based on that affiliation. Have you experienced any of that so far? I mean, it's only been three weeks, but is it getting uglier or is it? Uh, th thankfully directed at me uh, personally, no. Um, I've been pretty lucky. I mean, there have been, as you know, I'm sure you saw in the news coverage, kind of uh, general threats uh, against elected officials. We've been lucky and blessed that um, we're safe. I know uh, my hat's off to the Capitol Police and the FBI and the state police who did a wonderful job in securing uh, the day that we were at the Capitol and, and did a phenomenal job in securing all of us uh, in a variety of ways, um, some known, some unknown, um, for obvious reasons to protect uh, tactics and strategies. Um, but no, we, we did a, we, they did a great job. And, you know, uh, I'm really focused on uh, really turning the temperature down. And I think that we need to focus on solutions. And that's what I intend to do in Hartford. I'm really focused on uh, working with my colleagues, uh, Democrats and Republicans, um, who want to bring uh, common sense policy uh, back to Connecticut, um, whether it's workforce development, funding our public schools, uh, getting our transportation system off the ground with, you know, finally getting the Waterbury train line going, which will be a huge boom um, for the Valley and from Arkansas all the way uh, down through the district, making sure that we help small businesses recover from COVID, making sure frontline workers have what they need um, as they emerge from COVID, they've been impacted greatly. I've spoken to so many of them uh, grocery store workers, healthcare workers, and nursing homes, uh, people who don't have the luxury of working from home on Zoom, um, who have to show up for work, who take risks every day. We've got to make sure we take care of them and help them get through uh, this pandemic as we make our way and these vaccines make their way through our state. And I, I just realized I should, because I'm not a broadcaster, but I should point out the third name you see here, that's Henry uh, Chisholm. That's uh, uh, Senator Cabrera's Press guy, press flack. Did I say flack, or is that that's not offensive, right? That's okay. Excuse me, honest. <laughs> so, and in speaking of just your work now, uh, that I, I've not asked you to weigh in on uh, national issues, but I just got a, a release before we signed on here on Monday. You're coming to Derby and Ansonia uh, with State Rep. Kara Rochelle, State Rep. Mary Wielander, and Sonia's Mayor David Cassetti, Rich Zekin, uh, and I believe it was the Department of Economic and Community Development Commissioner David Lehman to go on a tour of uh, potential development type, uh, sites in both downtowns. You're also bringing uh, the Naugatuck Valley Council of Governments, uh, so Rick Dunn doesn't have to go too far uh, from his home to go on this tour, but what's going to be happening? And let me just, uh, from the cynical side of me, I, this is like the ninth time I've uh, I've heard about a tour like this going on in the two communities, but what's the purpose of it? Shatter my cynicism. Well, the purpose of it is to get um, elected officials together um, from uh, Derby and Ansonia 
uh, from the local level, the state level, uh, people who work in the governor's office, Mr. Lehman, um, people in a lot of these uh, economic development organizations uh, that you mentioned to get us all together uh, to take a walk uh, through Ansonia and Derby and talk about potential uh, funding and bonding for projects that can help Derby and Ansonia um, start to really uh, move forward and creating jobs and bringing uh, businesses back into the valley and create and growing our grant list and growing our, ta our tax base. So, you know, we've been talking about, as, and you know, in the campaign about uh, projects such as the Route 34 uh, project, um, there's a lot more uh, room for development. I think, uh, you know, in the campaign, we talked a lot about how we felt that the valley has been overlooked for too long uh, by the state of Connecticut. So this is an effort along with Representative Rochelle, Representative Wielander, our state delegation to basically reach out to local officials, our, our mayors and um, elected officials to just take a tour, take a walk, uh, start to discuss and start to uh, think about uh, how we can help Derby and Ansonia uh, and maybe uh, bring, that, bring back some dollars uh, to really begin to develop uh, these two awesome uh, towns in the Valley. They have such an amazing, strong, proud history, uh, but for too long have been neglected uh, by the state of Connecticut. And we're hoping to change that. And in terms of since you were sworn in on January 6th, tell me, have you reached out to like the mayor of Ansonia and the, and the mayor of Derby to sort of talk about, hey, uh, I'm now on the job? How does that work? Absolutely. Yeah, we have. Uh, we've had some preliminary meetings on Zoom uh, with the delegation, uh, with Rep. Rochelle, Rep. Wielander, um, and Mayor Zekin and David, Mayor David Cassetti, as well as his staff, uh, just to start to talk about what projects they're uh, teeing up and how we can help. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we um, are elected to represent the people, uh, in my case, the 17th district. But as you know, Ansonia and Derby is in the heart of my district. It's important to me. Um, I really got to know the people who live there very well during uh, two campaigns. And um, I really want to work together with uh, the elected officials just to make sure that we're doing everything we can, uh, that we're doing our job at the state, you know, shaking that tree up there, uh, making sure that we're working hand in glove. Uh, with uh, the mayors in Derby and Ansonia and their administrations to make sure that we uh, can help give the people of Ansonia and Derby all the opportunities to succeed that they uh, deserve and want. And then in terms of uh, Derby, and I'm a little biased because I live in Derby, sorry people, but <laughs> the, what can, can you share, just between you and me, can you share anything about the Route 34 uh, widening project? Has that uh, advanced at all? I mean, last I heard, there was a meeting in December between all these engineers and guys with pocket protectors. Do you know uh, what's the latest, if anything? Well, we're right now um, talking about how we at the state level can help. And so there's been some Preliminary meetings, we haven't dug in uh, deep yet, but that's part of why we're meeting on Monday and uh, to work with the mayor and identify how we can help. And, and so we're getting the, the lay of the land. Um, the most important thing is for us to communicate with each other effectively and then make a commitment uh, to do what we can at the state level to work with the local officials. So uh, stay tuned, uh, more to come. We're, we're dead serious about this. You know, I talked about this in the campaign. Um, it's not gonna happen overnight. Uh, but I'm, I'm committed to having open lines of communication uh, with the local officials in Derby and Estonia and making sure we do everything we can. And I, I feel sort of like an ignoramus asking you these questions up uh, until this point, because what I haven't asked you about and, and what I imagine takes up all of state government time is the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. You know, yeah. it, 
the the briefing today with Governor Lamont seemed to be uh, there, there's indication that maybe this is stabilizing that that Connecticut uh, I mean the country as a whole where it's still bad in many places Connecticut seems to be sort of moving along uh, but then I you know with with the vaccine rollout it, I, I found it interesting just from my end when to try to get information sometimes it can be hard. Uh, like vaccine uh, announcements and, and these clinics are set up, but there's only like a day or two notice. And then just from sort of pressing people, they tell you sort of off the record, well, you, you know, one agency doesn't get information. It seems like the, 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 the you know, poop usually rolls downhill. It seems like with, with whatever happens to the vaccine and some delays, it's uphill. Uh, are you confident? Am I making any sense? Is there some, is the vaccine rollout going smoothly? I know Connecticut is one of the best in the nation, but compared to compared to what? We are, yeah, we were uh, compared to the rest of the country, uh, we're at the top, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, things uh, could move faster. And um, as you know, we saw um, some of, and I've been getting constituent emails and phone calls, people who have been frustrated who have signed up and then got knocked off. Uh, look, we're, we're, we're trying to uh, do the best that we can. Um, we have a coronavirus task force that provides um, pretty regular reports to us in the Senate um, every 24 hours about what's going on um, and, and how things are, are being um, basically rolled out. Um, there's gonna be kinks. Um, it's uh, in the, we're in the middle of a, tr a transition at the presidential level, as you know, uh, President Biden just took off. So there's a lot of uh, work to be done at that level. Um, I am encouraged. Um, he set a very ambitious goal of 100 million vaccines in the first 100 days. As you saw this morning, um, he also is um, triggering the, um, the National Production Act and uh, also is developing a, a strategy uh, to, to really uh, ramp up the um, production of vaccines. And, you know, in Connecticut, we, we are doing well. And, you know, I know that people are frustrated. I know people, I've been dealing with people uh, almost every day. Um, especially my seniors, 75 plus, mm. um, who are dying, you know, really want to get their vaccines and, and are been very frustrated with it. But all I can say is that we're on it. Um, we are uh, hearing the same things that a lot of uh, folks are going through. And we're, trust me, we are on the phone. We're sending our emails um, to the governor and to the various agencies to make sure that they know what we're hearing on the ground. And I'm confident as time goes on, you know, we'll do, we'll do much better. Uh, we have to remember um, that for a long time, quite frankly, uh, we haven't had strong leadership at the national level. Um, we had a, a situation where all 50 states were competing with each other for PPE. Um, we had very poor communication. And so um, we're doing really good uh, under those circumstances. Uh, can we do better? Absolutely. Uh, will we do better as time goes on? Yeah, I think so. And then uh, I saw something on Facebook. I don't know if this was a, a public statement or a private statement, so I won't name the person, but it was a prominent Republican in the state, former office holder, saying that, hey, look, Governor Lamont has had these executive powers for uh, going on a year right now. It's, you know, there are, there's more than one branch. It's not all just uh, the executive branch of government and that the elected lawmakers need to have a say and need to sort of stand up uh, and, and do their more traditional role uh, in terms of governing the state. Uh, what's your take on, on Governor Lamont? I understand it's gonna be extended uh, even further, uh, these executive orders and, and things like that. 
Yeah, we're, you know, we're, I think it's important to remember that this is a one in a one, this is a once in a hundred year uh, crisis, uh, pandemic. So this is a very unique situation and it has been difficult uh, to get work done. Just to give you an example, you know, today I was on multiple Zoom meetings where not allowed in the Capitol, as you know, it's closed. Um, it's been very challenging uh, to get business done uh, remotely, uh, but we're making through. Um, legislation is starting to uh, be introduced. And in the coming weeks and months, you know, we expect to uh, really begin to hit our stride and, and do the people's business. And, you know, it's, we, we're gonna, we are gonna monitor um, the situation and we are, we're being briefed. Um, I know our leadership uh, in the Senate and I know uh, in the House as well, is in pretty regular contact um, with the governor's office uh, regarding the management and the handling of this virus. And so uh, are these uh, uh, powers gonna be going on forever? No, um, they won't. Um, but I think it's also important to remember that uh, the governor has chosen to do lots of things uh, collaboratively uh, with open lines of communication. And so I think that's encouraging and that's positive. And uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about, I, I attend a lot of Derby Police Commission meetings because I live in Derby and, I, and I, that's my dog barking upstairs. Uh, Chief Norowski in Derby, and I heard this a couple of months back in Seymour too with uh, Chief Sikowski up there. The police accountability bill, one uh, aspect that they both have had problems with or issues with is the cost connected to uh, equipping cars and officers with uh, cameras. They just say it's a it's a big expense. They're not opposed to, to doing that, but they're looking for grants. Uh, and, you know, Derby doesn't have a lot of uh, extra cash laying around at all. I'm wondering, has the chief reached out to you uh, in any way? And is that something that the Valley delegation is 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 talking about? No, not that I know of. I welcome um, his call. I'll be happy to talk to him. I've been uh, having open policy and I've always told elected officials and chiefs of police and fire uh, to always reach out to me or, or my, my office in the Capitol and I'd be happy to chat with them. We're looking at a whole host of things. So we, we know that um, things are tight, but people's budgets are really tight and we're encouraged. I mean, I'm sure you saw that um, the revenue projections for the state of Connecticut have really uh, gone really, really up and, and it was a, a fantastic development. Which I don't um, understand yeah. at all. I have to say, <laughs> I don't understand how that can be. But yeah, there was. I read the article this morning in the CT Mirror. Uh, but I'm sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> so is, does that mean we're going to get any kind of uh, tax break? And that's the first thing people uh, will ask. Right. Yeah. You know, myself. You know, um, I'm going to be working with my colleagues, and I'm really looking to um, do things uh, with the budget that uh, focus and target a uh, middle class tax cut. I think that's really important. I think we're also gonna see lots of um, push to make sure that we help small and mid-sized businesses, uh, make sure that those that are uh, unemployed um, can get access to uh, training so they can get back into the workforce. This is gonna uh, take a lot of work. And, uh, but I'm encouraged by the fact that it looks like we've been able to erase our deficits with the new revenue projections. I'm also encouraged with the fact that um, Governor Lamont um, I don't know whether uh, he planned it or not, but um, he was uh, one of the first governors, if not the first governor, uh, to endorse the then candidate Biden in the fall of 2019. Um, I wonder whether he had a crystal oh, that any of us had, because at that time, I think there were like 20 uh, candidates running for president. Biden won. 
So I'm hoping that that relationship, that early endorsement of the governor will pay big dividends for the state of Connecticut when it comes time to build out um, what I hope will be a second round of stimulus coming out of Washington. So I think we're very well positioned um, to receive uh, quite a bit of funds that's gonna help us uh, move out of this pandemic. Secondly, uh, my congresswoman, our congresswoman, Rose Dolores, you know, um, one of the very powerful uh, chairmanship of the um, House, um, House Committee that is, uh, is responsible for literally billions and billions of dollars um, to dole out. So uh, we have uh, two big, awesome developments there at the, at the federal level. Uh, add that to our deficits essentially um, disappearing, um, vaccines working their way through our state. Um, I think we're in a good position to do some really awesome things to make sure we all come back strong. And I have uh, other questions, but you know, given given the hour and the fact that I'm I'm losing the the in, your internet just a little bit, there were some parts yeah. that you faded out. So let's not let's not press, let's not get Comcast uh, any more angry. I just switched to their unlimited data because they got me over a barrel. But uh, and I saw that might that might be something you're you're proposing. I saw some bills you're you're co-sponsoring that might have something <laughs> to do with that data cap stuff. But let's ask about that next time because uh, I'd like to do this again. Sure. Uh, uh, whenever you'd like, but uh, so just anything else you want to add before we call it a night, Senator Cabrera? No, Eugene, just thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. Um, I think this is great. I hope we can do it again. And, you know, I encourage the, the, the folks in the district and especially Derby and Estonia to reach out to my office, so reach out to my aide, Sean Grace, uh, email me. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your ideas or if there's any way that we can help you, whether it's the vaccines or anything else, uh, please reach out to me. I see this this job as being um, public service. I take it seriously, and it's an honor to represent them, and I'm looking forward to speaking to you again. Okay, thank you so much for coming on, and have a great night. All right, Eugene, have a great night.